What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Dwight Chocolate. We're in the summertime. Things are slowing down, but there's still some things to talk about, some little silly things. But good, good that things have slowed down because now this gives us an opportunity to finally talk about the draft. Yeah, we're excited. Uh, we brought our uh, our favorite guest host, Scott Williams, to the show. Well, Scott, welcome back. What's up, everybody? Just glad to be reinvited. Thanks. <laughs> For sure. I mean, let's see some of these quick things. We got Kobe, Kobe Bryant making headlines this summer for some reason, whether it's about his weight or whether or not he's better than LeBron James. That argument keeps More coming like up. More like waistlines, if um, you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. But uh, let's get this thing started then on some quick thoughts. Right away, the first big thing that that's happened is randomly is Danielle Gallinari. Gallinari breaks his hand playing in an international game, reaches out to try to punch or almost seems like a slap to me and ends up fracturing his hand initial thoughts on that what's your reaction man that dude that he punched must have the hardest head of anybody in the entire world and did you see that punch it was like it did not seem like it should have done anything to his hand at all yeah i was thinking it looked almost like a slap not really so much of a punch like a little like almost like a just like, hey, man, get off me. Just like a tap to the head, not a so much like, oh, I'm going for the knockout or something like that. Yeah, man. Yeah, Scott, you just watched that. What did you think about it? It's pretty Soft, comical, huh? man. I think I just came from my club soccer training. I'm pretty sure that I had some boys hit each other harder than that and nothing happened to them. <laughs> You're a <laughs> six foot ten grown man, and you reach out to slap a guy, and you come out with a fractured hand, and that guy looked like he didn't even – he wasn't even phased at all. Like he got hit. He's like, wait, what right. just happened? ridiculous yeah and i mean it's welcome ca- to the clippers right yeah i was gonna say i was like if that guy hates denial Gallinari, i guess letting himself get hit by him is probably like the best payback he could have given him because now Gallinari's out for i don't know what do you what would you say like three yeah, months maybe maybe, maybe the months? entire season who knows <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah the way things sometimes go for the clippers yeah, maybe this fractured hand out of somehow leads to something bigger and he's done for the rest of the season. This is definitely like an initiation to be on the Clippers. Like you have to just do something completely stupid or have something catastrophic happen to you to be a part of this team. It's really sad. Yeah. It's funny the Clippers have gone through so many years knowing that that small forward position was their weakest point of their team. And they tried all these things to somehow make it work, and they finally got their guy, and boom, this happens right out, right before the gates even opened up to start the season. Yeah, I did learn something valuable from actually from watching uh, Gallinari punch that guy on. It was that um, yeah, I, I didn't know that European teams can be sponsored by anybody apparently, even Barilla uh, Spaghetti Company. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess it makes sense. Europe spaghetti is probably like a big money thing. <laughs> I mean, Barilla is a lot bigger in Europe than I mean, it is I've never here. been to Italy, but I, I mean, I guess it's like their Coca-Cola. Exactly. They must have a lot of leftover money to be willing to sponsor a professional basketball team. Yeah, that that, that was the most constructive thing I got from watching that. It's so <laughs> sad. Yeah. Um. So another another news. So the Kyrie Irving saga still continues. He's still not on a the team. There's no there's no signs that he's going to go anywhere at any point soon. If anything, news just came out that Kyrie Irving apparently um, let people know that he's not willing to re-sign an extension with whatever team it is that he's going to be traded to at this time, which seems kind of smart on his part because if he plays w- with whatever team he goes to until the end of his contract, he'd be able to resign for a greater amount of dollars. But what I'm thinking is he sa- if he did make this public, it's sort of like, takes so much leverage away from the Cavs and puts it back on his side. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think the only report I've seen about Kyrie is that he's going to be, or like that the Suns have the best offer for him. Mm-hmm. Um, So that would probably include, that would have to include Josh Jackson, I would think, which they've already said that they don't want to trade, but I don't know. What do you think, Scott? Do you think Eric Bledsoe and Josh Jackson for Kyrie is a good deal? Well, I hadn't heard Josh Jackson as a part of one of those deals, but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think they're one of the few teams that actually has the pieces that could look attractive to the Cavaliers, mm-hmm. and I think Josh Jackson fills a lot of holes when you think about how you're going to guard the Warriors in the finals for the next 12 years. 
how you're going to take care of that. So uh, I think it's an interesting trade. I'm a little bit surprised that the Suns are willing to trade Josh Jackson so early in his career. Right. I mean, if you're the Suns, do you kind of hesitate to even consider that trade when you hear a sort of like a report like this coming out that Kyrie Irving isn't willing to commit full-time to whatever team it is that he lands, even if it means you, the Suns? I mean, yeah, it's a risk, but I think it's not very different than the risk that OKC took with Paul George. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, right. you have to take a chance on a guy who is like uh, maybe a top 10 player. He's, he's in the, he's in the mm-hmm. conversation at least. Um, and when you're, if you're the Suns and you've been just completely mediocre the last few years and you're really looking for something to turn your franchise around, you have to start taking risks. Um, it's really safe to just stay with Josh Jackson and hope he's the guy. But when you can get a guy that you right. know is a legit baller, uh, I don't really see how you can pass that up. Even if True. he's going to leave. Yeah. Right. What are your prognosis, even with hearing this report, you still think Kyrie Irving's going to get traded before the start of training camp, before the start of the season? Oh, man. I'm still, I'm still 50-50. I think yeah. if he... I don't think he's going to get traded if he makes it to training camp. Um, yeah. But will he get traded before then? I'm not sure. I still think he's on that Cavaliers at least until January. Yeah. You think he'll make it that long I don't, if he makes it that? I think so. I think the man is not going anywhere. He's going to stay in a Cavs uniform. Okay, so here's your next question. Who leaves the Cavaliers first, Kyrie or LeBron? Oh, man. Well, I mean, Kyrie's trying to be the number one guy out of there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Kyrie Irving already came out and said that. I say Kyrie Irving's out of there before LeBron. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm still I, – I feel like I'm in a minority now. I still feel like – uh, LeBron's just gonna stay in Cleveland. I think I think yeah. a lot of this is just a lot of media, just blowing up stories. They want him to go to the Lakers because it makes a great story. They want him to go anywhere else because <laughs> right. it's a crazy story. But I mean, if I'm LeBron, like, while sure it might seem like a good business move to move to Los Angeles, uh, Cleveland's his home, really. Um, right. Yeah, these LA reports seem seem to all be regarding around assumptions and speculations, which I guess a, a lot of these stories are. But LeBron has never really hinted. LA really doesn't have anything to offer him other than things that are outside of basketball. I guess the closest thing you can get to somehow having LeBron give a hint of LA is just him showing up to a summer league <laughs> game. But beyond that, it's it's all speculation and assumptions at this point, oh, I completely. think. completely. And then, I mean, going back to Paul George as an example for this also, everyone thought that he explicitly said, I'm going to be a Laker in 2018. Mm-hmm. And look where we are now. Now he's saying, I think I could stay in OKC for the rest of my career. This place is pretty chill. Like, yeah. if we thought that Paul George said he was going to be a Laker, and now we're saying, oh, we think LeBron's going to be a Laker, how much less likely is it that LeBron's actually going to leave? Yeah. Right. People are just looking for a story. Change. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's move on to talking about uh, LeBron's teammate, J.R. Smith, a.k.a. J.R. Swoosh. Yes, I'm so glad he's back in (laughs) it. So J.R. Swoosh always makes headlines, even if it's outside of basketball. Actually, most of the time it's because it's outside of (laughs) basketball. But anyways, Tracy McGrady uh, sort of was talking about his Hall of Fame, making it onto the Hall of Fame. Um, he released a quote about that, and somehow J.R. Smith found trouble troubling that Tracy McGrady, in his quote, included included saying that anyone can ring can win a ring. Um, J.R. Smith followed this with a series of tweets. One of them saying, "This man really said anyone can can win a ring, but not everyone can make it to the Hall of Fame. So no one else thinks that dumb as hell. That dumb as hell. <laughs> I don't know. That dumb as hell. <laughs> then he follow- Yeah. Then he follows it with facts." People who did nothing make the hall. If it was like MLB, okay. But Basketball Hall of Fame, you can build a park and get in. (laughs) (laughs) And one more tweet because he wasn't done yet. So you played for the Hall of Fame and not not to win? If I was on his team, we'd be fighting. I don't care if we don't play no more. Don't waste my time. Not with hoop. Kind of like a... Kind of like a random attack coming out of nowhere from J.R. Smith to Tracy McGrady. I think Tracy McGrady, sure, he doesn't have a ring. He made it to that one finals 
riding on the coattails of the San Antonio Spurs, but I believe the man deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Talented player, put up good numbers when he was able to play. Yeah, I don't know what J.R. Smith has against Tracy McGrady. I think he's just upset because he'll never make the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, my thinking too. Maybe there's, if anything, J.R. Smith is kind of revealing some sense of, maybe like a sense of insecurity about it. Maybe. Not nah, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he's an insecure guy on the inside, but he'll never show it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh... I mean, <laughs> do you agree with J.R. Smith here at all? Do you, do you think J Tracy McGrady should, deserves to be in this Hall of Fame? I mean, I think it's a no-brainer. I mean, he led the league in scoring at least twice, right? Yeah. Scoring yeah. champion twice. He went to the finals with the Spurs. Not his best year, obviously, but in his prime, I mean, mm. he and Yao with the Rockets were really good. I think maybe not a first ballot Hall of Famer, as they say, but I think he deserves to be in there at some point. Yeah. And, I mean, it's completely true that anyone can win a ring. Like, Zaza Pachulia yeah. can win a ring, but definitely will never <laughs> make it to the Hall of Fame. So, it yeah. makes sense to me. I don't know. J.R. Smith just got some beef. Yeah. Coming out of nowhere. Anyways, another story coming or going around the league is Magic Johnson attended Jordan Clarkson's uh, academy camp and he followed, he shot this quote up. He said, we're excited about our season. He, as in Jordan Clarkson, is going to play a major role in us being a better team this year. We felt we put some weapons around him that would make that would even make his game better. I've challenged him because I want him to be sixth man of the year. So I've challenged him to play like that. And I think he has the potential, the talent. He's worked hard this summer. What do you think? Is Magic Johnson foreseeing the future here? Is Jordan Clarkson the sixth man of the year for this upcoming season? I mean, I think he definitely has the potential. Uh, you, the guy yeah. averaged 15 points a game about the last two years, um, and he's totally willing to accept this role as a team player coming off the bench. All the pieces are there. I mean, mm -hmm. you got a guy like Lonzo Ball coming in. He's going to give him some nice juicy passes. Um, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. I mean, his best competition at this point is probably Lou Williams on the Clippers. Is If he doesn't start, that is. Uh, Jamal Crawford 2.0. Uh, yeah, the battle of LA, the battle yeah. of the sixth men. Um, yeah, I'm going to... I, I hope Jordan Clarkson has one hell of a season, but I'm going to go ahead and say that this has zero chance of yeah? happening. And the reason I say that is simply because... I think the Lakers' record this upcoming season is going to make him irrelevant in the discussion for for sixth man of the year. I don't know. Does does the record matter as much for the sixth man? I know it matters for the MVP, but... Yeah, I mean, if Jordan... I just think if Jordan Crawford is putting up almost the same numbers as Jordan Clarkson, I would say give it to him, since I'm sure the Timberwolves are going to be somewhere between the sixth, seventh seed, or even the fifth seed. Yeah, hmm. Those are my thoughts on it. Scott, what are you thinking? I don't know. I feel like six man, it's kind of like, oh, congratulations, you won the NIT tournament. Nobody really cares about the NIT <laughs> tournament. Like, you're not the MVP, you're the six man of the year, which means <laughs> you couldn't even start on your own team. So, I don't know. I, I think that he has a chance because I think that the Lakers are pretty average from one from man one to man 12. So, I think that they actually yeah. will have a decent bench playing with him. Um but mm -hmm. I don't know that it's really a competition that you can get that excited about. Man one is not average, right. by the way. Man one, <laughs> his dad thinks he's really good. <laughs> and he's the summer league I MVP, mean, and don't you forget it. MVP. Yeah, I kind of think that maybe they're jumping the gun a little bit. For all we know, maybe Jordan Clarkson ends up being a better player than Caldwell Poe, and he gets the starting two-guard spot. Yeah, I mean... Hopefully not, though. You pay a guy $18 million and you give up your best player, David Nwaba, to do it. You better you better hope <laughs> that guy's going to start for you. Future MVP, David Nwaba. You heard it here first. <laughs> All right. Moving on. So here we go. This is the story that brought up the Kobe versus LeBron debate again. Uh, Michael Jordan answered a kid's question <laughs> um, regarding where he would rank LeBron in comparison to Kobe. And he said... He would he would rank, was it? Yeah, the kid basically asked him, would I rank LeBron over Kobe in terms of best of all time? He said, no, there's something about five that beats three. Man, so wait, you said a kid, you, a kid quick gave him this question and he answered it straight up? Yeah. Man, that's so funny. I feel yeah. like a media person would be like, they would die to hear Michael Jordan say that from a question they asked. Right. 
Yeah, so maybe that's the bigger story. Kobe, I mean, Michael Jordan just straight up answered the question that media people want him <laughs> to answer, and he answered it from coming from oh, one of the kids so at his basketball academy camp. I don't know. Pretty, pretty. He answered it pretty simply that five rings obviously beat LeBron's three rings. But is it that simple to 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 compare these two guys that way? I don't think so. Almost the same question as the Tracy McGrady question, isn't it? Is it better to be in the Hall of Fame yeah. or better to win a ring? Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, well, I mean, I think Kobe's got Trace, or uh, I don't know. Do you think Kobe has a better chance? I mean, they're both going to be Hall of Fame. So that's like a wash. Yeah, almost. they're both Hall of Famers. So I guess you have to go by championships at that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, one guy's done. The other guy, I mean, one guy is still playing, and the other guy's out here. Caning weight, man, just living Dude, life. Kobe Bryant. Yeah, so you guys saw the picture. Kobe Bryant is out there. He quoted his Instagram picture. Objects on camera may appear larger than they do in the mirror. The challenge accepted. Hashtag Mamba Thick. Hashtag Mamba, Mamba Beast. Thick. What are your <laughs> What are your what are your reactions to Kobe Bryant out here living <laughs> life, the retired life? <laughs> oh, it's so good. Mamba Thick might be my new favorite hashtag. <laughs> Dude, it's awesome, man. He deserves it. Live it up. Dude, he probably looks... He yeah. still looks better than, like, 90% of America. Right. I, he still looks fitter than, like, Zach Randolph. <laughs> like, that Randolph, to me, never looks like a fit no, basketball yeah, player. No, he always looks fat. It's crazy. I yeah, don't know how he does it. But he... Right, he beast, he kills it in the in the in the post, but that guy always looks like he's just like struggling up and down that the court. That guy looks mamba thick. <laughs> Dude, <so laughs> yeah. we, we, maybe we'll, if Kobe gets in shape, we'll see him in the big three league sponsored by Ice Cube. Possibly, he might end up taking Allen Iverson's spot since that guy keeps being a no. I uh, was a no show apparently for their last. Yeah, game. I heard he got suspended from a game in the big three league. How do you even yeah. do that? <laughs> you don't show up apparently there's a report going out that some tmz sports caught him uh gambling the night before in some casino oh no so maybe there's relation to that well who he's knows a grown man he's can gamble all he wants but he still gets yeah. detention for missing his big three class yeah well here's a here's a quote that i kind of i wanted to get to really quickly to hear, hear your guys's thoughts on so daryl morey from the general manager of the Houston Rockets kind of suggested with his quote that that perhaps the MVP award shouldn't exist in the NBA any longer since there seems to be no criteria, specific criteria on how to actually earn that award. What are your guys' reactions to that? Well, what a crybaby, yeah, man. Yeah, right? James Harden <laughs> done won the MVP and all of a sudden we're talking about this because you're the owner? Come on. I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, that's so soft. If Harden had won we wouldn't have this conversation right now or maybe we'd have it That's from Sam true. Presti's point of view yeah it it seems really i don't think anybody out there would agree with Daryl Morey's with Daryl Morey's suggestion it's kind of hard to sort of set a criteria sort of like i guess like a like sort of like you do in school where if you do this and you do that you're definitely going to win this thing um so the system that's in place i feel like is probably the best thing they got right now you guys, off the top of your heads, do you guys have any other system that might be able to replace this? That might make this man ha a little bit happier? No, I don't think so. I think every every sport kind of has this award, and it's not like they're sitting there mm -hmm. talking about boxes and who ranks fives instead of fours. I think there's a certain degree of just, like, wow factor and, uh, you know, the eyeball test. And I think we get mm -hmm. it right more often than we don't, and it's usually not very close. So, I mean, this is... This is a case where it was closer than most, but when you look at the actual vote count, Russell Westbrook blew him out in the end. So I don't really know what he's complaining about, to be honest. I think that we get it right more often than we don't. I think Daryl Morey is the type of guy that likes the fact that everyone in T-ball gets an award at the end of the season. <laughs> he's that guy, and I dislike that kind of guy. I just, uh, why do you care if you get an award or not? Like, it shouldn't bother yeah. you, especially because you don't really get anything for winning the award. Maybe, uh, maybe James Harden has something in his contract where he gets a little more money if he wins the MVP. But at the end of the day, they're all making a bunch of money anyway, so I don't think he's going to go crying home to mom if he doesn't get that MVP bonus. So, yeah, uh, it's just crying over spilled milk. Right. It seems kind of silly. These guys are still making $20 million plus year 
dollars a year and doing what they love. So I feel like that then alone is a huge reward compared to what the rest of us get. Right. Yeah. He's, 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 it seems like he's trying to step up for his player when he doesn't need to do anything like it's said and done. Just let mm-hmm. it, just let it be. Right. All right. Well, those are it for the quick, our quick thoughts right now and what's going on in the league. Now let's move on to our big topic for today. Let's look, let's look down let's look back at the NBA draft and see what you got, what your guys' thoughts on. Let's grade them. Let's see who got it right, who got it wrong, who probably could have done a little bit better. So obviously, let's start at number one. The Philadelphia 76ers ended up going with Markel Fultz. Right. Thoughts on that? I mean, it was a move they had to make. I mean, well, so how it happened was they got the pick from the from Boston, which, I mean, most people that watch basketball probably knew that. But, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think um, it was an awesome move for them to make. Um, Joel Embiid was really stoked on Fultz and... The 76ers are going to do whatever he wants because he's the face of that franchise now. So they traded up for him. Yeah. How do you think he fits in there? I agree. I mean, you know, I think it's a really interesting pick. I mean, I think that Markel Fultz, you hear all these scouts talk about him and watching him at Washington. He has this unbelievable skill set. But at the end of the day, I think that the NBA is about winning and you need winners. And the guy didn't win. So I I think it's an Mm -hmm. interesting pick because... Um, the 76ers still aren't a great program, still not a great mm-hmm. franchise. He's coming out from Washington that had a terrible season with him at the helm. And mm-hmm. you kind of wonder if he's conditioned a little bit the wrong way that losing's okay. Um, so that's the only kind of piece I have in terms of fit with the, with the franchise. I think it's fantastic. Um, you got the big guy Embiid inside and a couple other promising pieces. Um, and the point guard kind of brings it all together. Ben Simmons obviously hasn't even played a year yet, so we don't know exactly what we're getting. But I think in terms of fit with the with the team, and I don't think anybody anywhere in the NBA was surprised that he went with the first pick. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, not much. I feel like you guys said everything that I don't need to be said on that pick. What would you guys give it in terms of a grade level? I think I would give it an A just because it's the guy you want. Good guy. Yeah, yeah I think you, just, you give it an A because you had to do it. Like, no one's going to be mad at you mm-hmm. for doing that. Or, like, you're not going to look back and be like, oh, we should have taken Laurie Markkinen. Love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, you can give him an A. I think, I think he fits better into their system uh, if Ben Simmons is going to be that primary ball handler, which a lot of people are talking about, too. Uh, you can play mm-hmm. him off the ball a little bit, and he can create a little bit for himself too, which um, I think he might do a little better than Lonzo would have in that same situation. Agree. Yep. All right, moving on. Speaking of Lonzo Ball, Lonzo Ball goes number two to L.A. I think that's a, I think that's a good pick. I mean, I, for a second there, I thought maybe Magic wasn't going to pull the trigger on this, but it seemed like he liked what he saw when he went out to Chino Hills with LeVar Ball and watched their workout routines and stuff. Um, at first, I was kind of a little bit hesitant, but after seeing the guy play in summer league, he he's the real deal. I think. I mean, I I personally think at worst, Lonzo Ball ends up being sort of like uh, a little slightly better than your average starting point guard, and I think at best, Lonzo Ball is an all star in this league. I'd say I'd give I'd give that pick an oh, A. Yeah. A about plus, you guys? A plus plus. Mm. Man, I, I mean, I gotta admit, I was pretty worried after that first summer league game. Where he just mm-hmm. he just did not look very comfortable out there at all. But after that, it was green lights ahead, man. All green lights. I mean, he checked every checkbox that you want to see out of a traditional point guard, and he looked really cool, calm, collected doing it. Um, I mean, prophecies being fulfilled so far. So he gonna keep riding this train. Yeah, I, yep. I agree. I think the only worry that's out there, and I don't think it's a surprise, is dad. Uh, you're waiting yeah. until I mean he's done quite a few things that are pretty dumb, but is is he gonna do mm-hmm. something that really bumps Lonzo off his stride? I hope not. I hope he doesn't get in the way because I think that the talent that he has is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So number three, Jason Tatum. This was a little interesting to me. I guess Boston could have gone with either De'Aaron Fox, Josh Jackson, or Jason Tatum, but they took the guy out of Duke. What are your guys' thoughts on this one? I'll defer to you for this one. 
Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> honestly, a little bit surprised. And it sounds like Danny Ainge was sold on him from the beginning. It sounds like even if Boston had kept like that first pick, they were thinking about taking him there, which is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. He, for me, is probably the most NBA-ready prospect of anybody, which maybe fits where Boston is at. Um, I think he has a grown man game, but I think his his ceiling is lower than some of the other players in this mm-hmm. top five picks especially. Um, so I think you know what you're going to get. He's going to be solid, but I don't think he's going to win you an NBA championship. Yeah, he right. fits into that Brad Stevens, I think that there's only three positions in the NBA now type of philosophy mm-hmm. where you have your point guard, your your wings, and your big. Um, so he to yeah. me, I don't know how true this is, but he seems like the exact same player as Jalen Brown. Very similar. Like sure. they seem like mm-hmm. they play the exact same role. They're like the same size, and now they're on the same team. So you just, you just cloned one one of your guys who was a pretty solid contributor for you last year. So can't really complain about that. You know what you're getting. Yeah, I think on the Celtics part, I think they went they went good. I mean, speaking to sort of a topic that you brought up with Markel Fultz, thought that Markel Fultz doesn't come from a winning program, whereas Jason Tatum does. He comes from the culture of coach K I think he's going into a team that's willing that's looking to go deep into the playoffs but I think Jason Tatum is probably the kid that you want he's probably had it's like a mentality molded by a guy like coach K guy who's looking to to get some W's not just go out there and be flashy but do the right thing do the right play I agree with you on that one definitely true so I mean for me I think it's a solid B plus I think mm-hmm. that they could have swung for the mm-hmm. fences maybe a little bit more but it's a good get yep solid B plus yeah, I agree. I go B plus. So we're all we all have the same oh, grade levels right so now. In sync. <laughs> yep. But here we go. Number four, we got Josh Jackson going to Arizona, the land of the Suns. From Scotty's favorite young prospect. College. You know what? Yeah. Uh, of course, I'm always going to be a fan of this guy because he played for my beloved Jayhawks. But I think that this guy's mm-hmm. the safest pick in the draft. Um, more think, so than Tatum. Yeah. Even more so than Tatum. I think Tatum has a little bit more to his offensive game. Josh Jackson is just a beast defensively. Um, the guy's a phenomenal athlete, and he shoots it better than people give him credit for. So in terms of where Phoenix mm-hmm. is in their development, I think it's a great pick. Now, if we're talking about trading him to the Cavaliers, I don't know. It's an interesting yeah. it's an interesting move because I do think he does have great upside and that he can guard four positions on the floor. Right. Yeah, it's just are they willing to wait for him to be that guy? Um, yeah, I mean – what what Scott said, that's all true. Like he's a great player. Yeah. Um, I think you might be a little biased saying he has a better shot than people give him credit for. Because I was, I, I was, I was, was going to yeah, mention something right, about yeah. that I, too. I watched a few of those summer league games and I was not very impressed. It will be interesting. Moving back a few feet to the NBA three point line, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. How much time do you think? Uh, so sort of Josh Jackson, sort of like a guy who's kind of like a little bit raw around the edges. How much time do you think he you can give him before we start seeing some real stuff come come from the young guy? I honestly think he'll start from day one in that group. Right. Yeah, and for the Suns, definitely. Yeah, if he's in a better group, if he's with the Cavaliers, maybe not. But with the Suns, I think you you pair him next to uh, next to the shooting guard from Kentucky. Um, <laughs> yeah, <Booker>. Devin Booker. <laughs> you got his college and his position. There not you his go. Name. That's right. Devin Booker, kid can score 70 points, and now you put somebody next to him that can defend in Josh Jackson. I think that that, that backcourt with a decent point guard, maybe Kyrie, mm. could be very good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I think I'd give that pick a B simply because uh, Josh Jackson's a good player, and I think the Suns just kind of took the best player that was still available at that moment. Well, I think if you take the best player give available, them... you got to give him an A, right? It's like I guess, they did yeah. as good as they could. Or maybe it's like you tried your best, but you still got to see. I don't know. Maybe it's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. For for me, I think the only thing that makes it less than an A is the fact that they could have taken De'Aaron Fox. They could have dealt with a Brandon Knight injury, um, and oh, that yeah. might have been a little Ooh. bit better. They should have so, known. <laughs> so for me, I think it's an A minus. There you go. Uh, see, I was thinking they they didn't take the Aaron Fox if they were already loaded up on the guards position. So they took Josh Jackson, which would have been their next best choice. But yeah, the Aaron Fox probably would have been the better pickup, which there he goes. He's number five, the Aaron Fox with the Sacramento. Pick King. of the draft pick of the Ooh. draft. 
This, yeah. Alan, this was your. I this agree. Was your, I your sleeper rookie of the year, right? Yeah, I was actually pretty excited about the Aaron Fox. I mean, after seeing him in the tournament, I, I was really stunned by this guy. He he plays with such energy, and his competitiveness just seems to be on another level. And he's also a huge Dragon Ball Z fan. I found <laughs> those, out those Nike kicks that, that he got I... sent. Oh man! Yeah, exactly. So cool. He's got the custom Dragon Ball Z kicks. Those are so awesome. I I. I yeah, I like this guy. I, I really hope he rejuvenates the Sacramento Kings franchise and we get to see like a Laker Kings rivalry in the next couple of years. Um, yeah. I think he's good. He plays, he, he can see the floor well. He's athletic. He's quick as hell. Um, Sacramento Kings really needs anybody that's that's above average. So that's an A plus on the Kings side for me. I agree with you, Alan. I think that the NBA is all about these 1v1 matchups. It's all about being able to look a guy mm -hmm. in the eye and still be able to get a bucket. And when you look at Deer and mm -hmm. Fox, he did it against Lonzo Ball twice and just went off yep. against him. Um, so yeah. I think it's, it's a guy for me that can get his own shot. He can bring other people into the fold. And the Kings in general have the best draft of anybody for me. So mm -hmm. I think yeah. that, I mean, the pick makes a lot of sense. It's a steal at number five. And I heard the Lakers were even looking at him with number two. Yeah. So to get him were. at number five is huge. A plus. Yeah. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I agree with you guys. I mean, I have nothing wrong with De'Aaron Fox's game. I think he's great. You guys both think he has a chance to be rookie of the year, though. And I asked this to Alan last week when he made this pick. And I'll ask this to you now, Scott. How does he win rookie of the year not starting if George Hill is there? Uh, that's a good question. Well, as you know, I think Buddy Heald is going to be an all-star uh, in the next nine years. Yeah, we've been so over this. <laughs> I think all he has to do is come onto the floor and pass it to Buddy Heald, and he's going to make shots, and there's your 10 assists. Oh, boy. <laughs> no, I yeah. think that he will. I think that he'll end up starting off and on during the season, and maybe they find a way to pair him up in a two-guard lineup with mm -hmm. George Hill. So I think the fact that he's not starting doesn't necessarily inhibit him from winning that award. That's fair. All right, yeah, maybe maybe he takes Buddy Heald's spot in the starting lineup and forces him into irrelevancy. You know what? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, anything's possible. I just, I mean, I feel like you, you, yeah, you have like Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz, and Ben Simmons. These guys are going to be competing. But if anything happens, I think De'Aaron Fox could be the type of guy that can sneak into that conversation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I'll and give I think, it an A. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And I think he's driven by that too. I think more so than maybe anybody mm -hmm. else, he... He has that chip on his shoulder, and he's going to match up against those guys a couple times a year, and it's going to be personal for him. Mm -hmm. So I, I could. If, mm -hmm. if that's kind of the difference maker is the games that they play against each other, I could see him being the standout. Yep. Totally, totally agree there. All right, number six, the Orlando Magic with Jonathan Isaac, the forward. What's what are you guys' thoughts on this guy? I, I really I didn't even watch this guy play in the summer league to be honest. I have very little of a scouting report on him. Yeah, to be fair, I, I don't know a ton about him. I know he's a freshman at, at uh Florida State last year and he did some good things. I feel like the magic are right now with the Kings were like four years ago. They just keep picking up these pieces <laughs> that have no real identity. Yeah. And they're decent players, but you're sitting there going, Well, how is he gonna help them win games? I just I don't know. I mean Maybe he defends well, but can he shoot? I mean, who on that team can shoot? Who can score? So, I mean, maybe he's the best available. He, he starts a string of three players in a row that I think are just way overrated. Um, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. Time will tell. For me, B-. minus. I'm just going to give this a C because this guy really hasn't made any waves at all. He, yeah. like, there's always picks every year where you're like, oh, that guy was drafted like that high. I don't even remember who he was. I feel like this is one of those picks for some reason. What What do you think? Yeah, uh, I don't really know too much about him, but like you basically took the thought out of my head that yeah, the Orlando Magic for a couple years now have had had some drafts. They even like the more promising guy, which Autolipo, they they basically traded him away. Basically, I think almost admitting like they're willing to start over again and and just build a pool of players and see what comes out of it. And up to this point, I don't think they have any promising guys, and I don't think Jonathan Isaac is that guy for them either. And I think this Orlando Magic, as of right now, just seems to be destined to be to continue playing at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. So I'm going to have to go with a C-. minus. Yep, that sounds right to me. Yeah. So next up, we got the Chicago Bulls, who made 
some huge moves throughout this draft, getting rid of Jimmy Butler and picking Laurie. How would you pronounce Markin. that? Laurie Markinen. Markinen at number seven, the forward. Thoughts you on know, him? It's, Thoughts on yeah, this pick? it's funny. So I was talking to Sean before this draft even started. And, and at the time, Laurie Markinen was projected to go, you know, 10 or lower. And even then, I was like, this mm-hmm. guy is going to be the biggest flop in the NBA ever. <laughs> so uh, the Bulls mm-hmm. in general just had the worst draft of anybody. I mean, you get rid of Jimmy Butler, you ended up you end up signing Laurie Markkinen, and then I guess they the lost one saving their 50th grace, pick too, right? Correct. In that trade, yeah. And the saving grace is that they get uh, David Nwaba, but I don't yeah. think he's going to save them. That wasn't even because <laughs> of the draft. They just got lucky. They just got lucky. So I mean, yeah. this guy, the the rub on him is that he's a seven footer that can shoot. The problem is the guy can't guard anybody inside. He's not a great athlete. People say he moves pretty well, uh, but I think you're going to end up seeing him. Maybe not the level of an Adam Morrison, but I think it's going to mm. be the similar effect. In three years, you're going to be like Laurie who, and he's going to be <laughs> on his third team in three years and be doing nothing. Yeah, it sounds about Adam oh, Morrison status. Big seven foot white guy that was really good at shooting in uh, college but is no longer i mean if the summer league is any uh is telling of anything to come he was zero for ten in one of those games from three just kept shoving oh, him up God. there um yeah that was his highlight of the summer league so i, I think for me too and sorry alan i don't mean to st- steal your time with this one but i think he's the perfect oh, example no of why you should stay in school he could have gone back to Arizona, mm. and they're probably going to be national champions next year. I think they're that good. And instead, he jumps for money at number seven, and he's going to be out of the league in the next five years. Yeah. I mean, need I say <laughs> more? I am, I'm thinking that. Well, and this is why we brought you on here, man. You got to jump on all the time for these, especially especially the farther we get down this list. We're going to know less yeah, and less, I... and you're going to know more and more. That's probably true. <laughs> Yeah, I just it's always surprises me how quickly teams jump on the idea of a forward being able to shoot threes. It's almost like they fall in love so much with that idea that they forget to look at the other aspects mm-hmm. of their game. I can't believe like how many guys go through the draft that that like that's their biggest selling point and at the end of the day, you know, they don't really they just don't they don't hang around, they end up losing because of the fact that they can't rebound, they can't play down low with the bigger NBA players, they can't defend. Um, they don't develop any form of post game. And I mean, you can't live and die by the three. You got some good guards out there that can shoot better than you. So you can't rebound. You can't play in the post. I mean, why are you, why are you there? You Sounds know, like Alan hates Laurie Markinen too. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, so what, what grade are you yeah. giving this one? Oh, I'm, I, I, oh, <laughs> I've got to give it a, I, you can't give it an F because I guess, I guess you got something from the Jimmy Butler trade, but you got rid of Jimmy Butler, your best player in the, in, on your team. Didn't really get much to replace him. You got this pick, which was the pick alone is probably only worth a C. So you get, you take both of those things into account. I'll give him a D. I'll, yeah. I'll go D minus. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> F minus on this one. That's not even a grade. F minus <laughs> 0%. Yeah. So now let's go. Let's go New York side. The Knicks, um, place of disaster. So up to this point, and they go with uh, the Frenchman, the young kid. Uh, how do you pronounce that name, Nick? I've been saying Nicotina, <laughs> but I don't think it's Nicotina. Oh, it's not Nicotina. <laughs> it's like Nitalkina, something like no, that. No, it's it's Nilakina. Nilakina. You just there ignore you the T completely. Yeah. So again, New York goes with a, a non-U.S. guy, an international player, a young guy too, exactly at 18 years old right now. What are you guys thinking about him? Is he going to say it? Well, he obviously isn't. He didn't say Phil Jackson's job <laughs> since he's gone. <laughs> well, I think this is just Phil Jackson just uh, wanted to do what Phil Jackson wanted to do. We'll never really see what he planned for this guy to pair him with Chris Stops. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously something something triangle. But, see, yeah, you'd have him at point guard, hit Chris Stops at center, and then Mello as the third part of that triangle, I guess. And that's that's about it. That's that's what he was trying to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Sean, Sean and I were talking about this one the other night, and I feel like it's really difficult to draft foreign in the first ten mm-hmm. picks, even the whole lottery, um, just because you don't know what you're getting. So there's been such a low percentage of good picks in the first in the lottery round. 
Um, outside mm-hmm. of Chris Depp's Porzingis, I mean, there really haven't been any success stories in the last five years, maybe longer. So while, you know, the Knicks are the one that did hit it big with Chris Depp's, I just think that there are better names on the board. And even the next one we'll talk about, I think, would have made a whole lot more sense. And he's been a stud. Right. Right. Um, I'm going to go and give this a C because it's average. It's what I expected. Yeah, that's fair. To that's do. fair. Yep. Just draft some, un- some unknown... Yeah, some unknown international guy, and he has a C because we don't know too much about him. He's super young, but at the same time, because of that, it's possible that maybe he does become, he's like the unicorn of this draft. He does become Christoph Porzingis or Giannis or something crazy down the line. So I'm going to go ahead and give it a C. Average, what's expected of the Knicks. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Yeah, you gotta get. Yeah, sure. Yeah, for the Knicks organization, it's a C. For the NBA in general, it's a D minus. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. We just have no idea. We won't know for a couple of years. Dude, watch him become super good. Possible. I hope so, because then Alan will have to keep pronouncing his name for future podcasts. <laughs> right. So here we go at number nine. This could have prob- This could have probably been the steal of the draft outside of the. Obviously, the top four pick or the top five picks, Dennis Smith from the point guard going to the Mavericks. Almost didn't recognize that because they got a new. Oh uh, yeah, it's a new, a logo, new yeah. logo. Yeah, they got that M just going through the basketball. Yeah, he he's right, fascinating, so... man. I think he was very good mm-hmm. in college, and a lot of people were saying a lot of good things about him. Um, but he's really little. He's only about six feet tall, and so that was definitely people were wondering how he's going to score in the NBA. But if the summer league is any indication. Maybe this guy is the guy we should be watching for Rookie of the Year. I mean, especially on the roster mm. that the Mavericks have, he's going to have every opportunity to succeed. Yeah, it's like, he, he might be small, but man, that guy can get up. He's those, got ups. So Those dunks yep. were crazy for a small guy like that. Like Russell Westbrook authority mm-hmm. on some of them. So, I mean, I like this guy. I'm going to be really excited to see what he does on the Mavericks. Um I the only point against him as I mentioned it on an earlier podcast with Alan was that um he seems like he might be prone to injury with the mm-hmm. with the way he plays right like the recklessness mm-hmm. and like a same a same recklessness as a Russell Westbrook type who he was able to make right. it through the whole season um but we'll see if this guy has the same staying power it's a good point and he's not yeah. a big strong man like Russell Westbrook <laughs> he's a little smaller so he's gonna yeah. get knocked yeah. around. But, I mean, in terms of value for the you pick, could, I think it's an A for sure for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to go in there and add to what you were saying, Sean. I mean, he could have a – you were saying Russell Westbrook plays like that didn't get injured. But then you look at the opposite and sort of you look at Derrick Rose who yeah. kind of had that same type of style of play. A young, a small guy who took the ball to the rim. I mean, he had a couple good years, but now we look at the results of that, kind of struggling to stay healthy. Um. Uh, yeah, I like the guy, though. He's he's a competitor. I mean, he played hard against the Lakers, even though they were down for a while during that summer league playoff game, and he definitely caught my attention there. I, the, the Dallas Mavericks, in terms of like youth, they haven't had much going for them. So to pick him up that late in the draft, I think I'm going to give them an A. That's a good oh, pick. Oh, definitely, yeah. Like, just looking at the rest of the first round, I mean, outside of our boy Kyle Kuzma, obviously, um, looks like the best value they could have gotten at the ninth position. So definitely an A. Mm-hmm. all right moving on with portland so portland's kind of had some issues on the front court i mean they made that trade for during what was it nurkic yusuf yeah so <laughs> they needed to add some from i'm sure this move was related to that sort of adding more more sort of more finesse in that front court so they went with number 10 for zach collins what are your guys thoughts on that it's an interesting pick. I think he was not very much on people's radar until Gonzaga made the run that they did in the tournament. And people mm-hmm. talk a lot about his skill set around the rim. And people say he's athletic, but to be perfectly honest with you, he doesn't look that athletic <laughs> to me. So mm-hmm. I no. just don't know if he solves a problem. He feels like the next Miles Plumley to fill in in Portland to me. Yeah. Um, and they it cost him a number 10 pick when a player like a Malik Monk is sitting there at 11. So you got a couple shooters right. sitting just below where they picked him up uh, when Portland has never been a team that plays through the post. So mm-hmm. I, I know that he was the top-rated center. Maybe there's something more than I've seen, but I don't know that it was a great pick for them. Yeah, it didn't really seem like the pick they wanted to make. I mean, I guess if you're looking down like where 
So Portland's needs, we're mostly small forward, power forward. Because you already have Nurkic, you mm-hmm. have Lillard, you have McCollum. Uh, if you're going down the list, I mean, the Kings picked Justin Jackson at 15. Maybe they just thought they were too high. Maybe they're trying to trade down but couldn't, so they just went with what they thought was like a good depth move. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I would have picked Malik Monk in this position, honestly, like to Scott's point, but I don't know. That's that's sort of what I was thinking too, but in my head sort of just like going out and maybe there's something we don't know about Nurkic. Maybe this injury he just had is a lot more serious than than they're making it out to be. Maybe they foresee him not being as consistent and they felt like they needed to pick up somebody that could be there and take some of these minutes and they think Zach Collins could be that guy. I'm that's the only way that's the only scenario where I think it would that that draft pick would make a lot of sense. But outside of that, I, I would, yeah, I would rather go with Malik, and because of that, I think I'd, I'll give this pick a C, sort of average. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with you on that one. I'm good with the C. Mm-hmm. It's the Trailblazers, so no one really cares, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now talking about Malik Monk, there he is at number eleven, going with the Charlotte Hornets, the two guard. You know, I watch a lot of college basketball. It's kind of my thing. And I don't think that there was a more exciting player for me this year to watch than Malik Monk. And you aren't a Kentucky fan. And I, and I don't like <laughs> Kentucky. So I was shocked mm-hmm. that he fell this far. I think early on in the season, he was ranked further up draft boards. Um, when you start looking at the players that went before him, too, I mean, Zach Collins, Laurie Markinen, it, it's really interesting to me. And maybe it's something that we don't know. Maybe it's prone to injury. Maybe it's something else. I know he didn't measure really well mm-hmm. on the athleticism charts, which is fascinating because if you watch some of the plays he made this year, they looked pretty darn athletic. So the kid can shoot, mm-hmm. he can defend, and he's a gamer. I mean, he put up 40 in a game this year. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's a really good get. I think it's going to be really hard for teams to be chasing around. Uh, he on the wing and then trying to chase down uh, the point guard Kemba out of Walker. Kentucky or out of Connecticut. Yeah, Kemba Walker. So try to catch Kemba, Kemba and then Walker. maybe if, if you catch him, then Malik's open. Interesting. I think it's a great pick at 11. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a really good value yeah. they got. Um, I mean, just based off of how he performed in college, I thought he would go higher as well. And um, so it'll be interesting to see. If he starts immediately for the Hornets, I know they got Michael Kidd Gilchrist in that position right now. Right. Um. So, well, yeah, we'll see uh, how long it takes for him to overtake uh, for that starting position. But I mean, I I think this is the best pick the Hornets could have made in this position. Um. Right. I I agree. I think the Charlotte Hornets just gave themselves a pretty solid team. They got Dwight Howard. I mean, Dwight <laughs> Howard isn't the same Dwight Howard as before, but nonetheless, it's a it's an upgrade to what they had before. You got him, and then you still have Michael Kidd Gilchrist, and you, you have Kemba Walker, who's really stepped up his game, and you pick up this guy who's qual- a quality draft pick. Best thing you could have picked up at that position. I think I give their pick a, a B plus. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. For, me, for me, it's an A. I think it's a great mm-hmm. pick value for the for the position. Mm-hmm. Does he have any like off court issues or anything that would make him drop? Yeah, I haven't heard anything. I mean, maybe. Mm. Okay, yeah. If we haven't heard anything, then yeah, I give it an A too. All right, here we go. Detroit Pistons picking up the Duke sharp, the Duke sharpshooter, Luke Kennard. What do you What do you guys know about this guy? Is he gonna help get this Motor City going? I'm never a fan of guys that come out of college that are white guys and not very athletic and shoot. I think it's the J.J. <laughs> like, Redick effect. So this is the Laurie Markkinen. This is the Laurie Markkinen. But, I mean, for me, it's even worse than Laurie Markkinen because he's a guard. So he's <laughs> got to be able to chase down mm-hmm. Clay Thompson every night. I just don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Now, the piece that I do like about it is I think, and this is to your point, Alan, with Jason Tatum, he's a winner. He consistently yeah. finds way to get ways to get shots to go down. He's a lefty, which is interesting oh. and rare in the league. Um, and he has a really, really high basketball IQ. Now, does that translate to even being a starter in the league? I don't know, but um, mm-hmm. Detroit's got to do something. I mean, I feel they're they're in a similar position as to like the Magic right now. Like, who are they? I don't know. I don't know who yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah. So it is interesting. So they they drafted this guy at, during the draft, thinking that he was going to be the backup to Caldwell Pope, and now he's just going to yeah. be the backup to Avery Bradley. So not much has changed, I guess. But 
yeah, so they drafted him to just be a backup. So clearly they're not expecting too much out of him. They they were just, mm-hmm. I think they must not have thought that anyone was going to be a huge home run. I mean, this guy doesn't seem like a home run type of pick to me. Seems like you're trying to play it extremely safe. It's like, oh, let's just get a shooter. Maybe this guy can score five points for us um, off some, like, off 15 minutes off the bench or something like that. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's a meh, whatever pick in my mind. Yeah. I'll give this pick a C plus and uh that plus is mainly speaking on to your point that you brought up, Scott. I think he comes from a good program. He was surrounded by good good players. And this is a Detroit team that's kinda had a lot of issues the last couple of years. Guys don't mesh, they got chemistry issues. Uh they don't win games despite having some quality names and being in the Eastern Conference. So maybe having a guy like him and Avery Bradley come in there, maybe they can get some better team chemistry going in win a couple more games than they did last year. It's not going to make or break make or break them at all, but it'll be a little I think there'll be some upside to it, so I'll give it a C plus. Fair grade for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Moving on to 13, the Utah Jazz. They lose Gordon Hayward in the offseason, but they pick up Donovan Mitchell at the number 13 pick. Obviously not a Gordon Hayward uh replacement, but what do you guys think can this guy do something for this team? I think it's hard to say. I mean, this late in the draft, I think you're you're kind of swinging for the fences and hope you get a little bit lucky. Um, Donovan Mitchell was a good college player. I don't know that he ever really showed the upside that you hope, um, but mm-hmm. I think the Jazz have a really solid system. I think it's similar to the Spurs or, uh, you know, to a team that is able to just plug in pieces. And I think Quinn Snyder does a good job of making sure that everybody's on the same page and the team wins games rather than players. So. I'm kind of guessing it's more of that kind of pick, a little bit like you talk about with Jason Tatum. I think he probably fits a need for them, um, even if he's not exciting. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that the Jazz have put a lot of feet wrong in the last couple of years, so I'll give it a solid B. Okay, yeah. I mean, that seems pretty fair. Um, they drafted this guy. So at the draft, I mean, obviously they didn't know Hayward was leaving yet, so they drafted him as a backup mm-hmm. to Hayward and honestly to Rodney Hood as well. So by default, yeah. this guy moved up in the depth chart. Uh, with Hayward leaving. Um, so he's going to get some pretty good playing time on that team, I feel. I mean, they don't really have anyone that seems like they require a huge amount of minutes. Uh, they don't have that star player, really. I mean, uh, maybe Rudy Gobert, you can count him as a star. Um, but outside of that, I feel mm-hmm. like they're just going to be shuffling pieces around to keep uh, high-energy bodies on the floor to play uh, some really good defense. So I think I think this guy can fit into that system pretty well. I'll give it a B. Give it a B. I'll give it a C. To me, it feels sort of average. Just picked up mm-hmm. a guy. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully he's good. And I mean, I'm kind of looking at I'm sure the Jazz are sort of looking at what they have. And they're kind of just putting their head down a little bit. Being like, well, let's see what works. And like you said, they're probably going to shuffle their lineup around a couple times this season. And maybe he, maybe he'll get the better end of that. But we'll see. Yeah, definitely. All right, so moving on to the Miami Heat, they drafted a center. Um, let's see, how do you, how would you pronounce Bam, that? Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo. It's interesting to see. So is this guy going to be Hassan Wet's Whiteside's um, sort of like little brother that he's going to help bring up and maybe eventually become a sort of like a starting companion to him? Or wonder what the Miami Heat are doing with this. What are your guys' thoughts on here? It's a safety blanket. The guy's a beast of an athlete, um, and he doesn't have much of a game outside of being a beast of an athlete. So I think you bring him in, you, you make him an understudy to Hassan Whiteside. He plays minutes when Hassan Whiteside is suspended. Um, and <laughs> in a couple of years when Hassan Whiteside decides that he's somebody that deserves a max contract somewhere else, you have somebody in the wings ready to take over. Um, I think for me, I think uh-huh. he's another guy uh, like Markinen that would have benefited a lot by going back to college again and honing mm-hmm. his craft in an area where he he can make mistakes and it's not going to cost him his job. So I think he'll be a decent pro. I think he's going to be a backup for his whole career and he's going to be kind of a journeyman. So not a terrible pick because there are certainly worse picks even before him, but I don't think it's by any means a home run. Yeah, so will he be able to play with Hassan Whiteside? On this, like as a starter, with Hassan at power forward, him at center. 
I mean, I don't think so, especially in the modern NBA, but I'm sure that mm-hmm. Eric Spolster will try something. Yeah. What do you think, Alan? Yeah, that's that's sort of what I was thinking about this pick. I think I'm going to go with the C just because he doesn't bring another dimension that Whiteside doesn't bring, sort of like he doesn't complement him. They're sort of, he's kind of like a lesser version of Hassan Whiteside, so you can't play them together. But like Skyle, you were saying, like he is a safety blanket there to take over when Hassan Whiteside kind of has his out of court ish, outside of the court issues. Or if he does just decide to get up and just leave, he's there. He's there. It's interesting that they went with him, but I give it a C, sort of like an average pick. Yeah, I mean, I saw some promise in the summer league. It looked like he was doing pretty well. I'll give it a C plus just because it looked like he had some good summer league play. Yeah, I'll go with Sean's evaluation there. C plus seems fair. <laughs> Slightly above average. All right. So here we go. The Sacramento Kings right there at number 15 with Justin Jackson, the sharpshooter. You guys think here, Sacramento Kings, that they pick up another sleeper? Absolutely, Absolutely this... man. I think you, you look at their yep. draft and they draft these high character guys that come from big time programs and we can shuffle ahead and you talk Justin Jackson and then Harry Giles the third as well. You get a, get a kid from Duke, a kid from North Carolina, a kid from, uh, uh, from who did I miss? Sorry, from Kentucky, the first pick with the Aaron Fox. <laughs> and then you go and you get uh, Frank Mason the third from Kansas. I think you get four kids that come from winning programs. To speak to your point, Alan, mm-hmm. the kid can shoot. He can go inside. I think he's super versatile. Um, and it's going to be a safe pick. It's not like he's going to be a bust. So, I mean, King's great mm-hmm. pick here for sure. Yeah, I totally agree with that winning mentality that they're trying to bring in. Uh, bringing in yeah. like on veterans too, like Vince Carter. He's been all around the league. He's been on a plenty of playoff teams. Uh, you bring in George Hill, who just got a lot of playoff experience, both on the Jazz and the Pacers. And you bring in a guy like uh, Zach Randolph, who was basically on a playoff team with Memphis for his entire career. Um, so, yeah, I just I just like these winning mentality guys that they're bringing in to the program and this is another one of them yeah yeah i like this pick i feel like justin jackson's game and pairing him up with buddy hill too and you got and you picked up De'Aaron fox i think these these three young guys complement each other i think they could work and build it becoming like a solid team later on as if as they develop like i said earlier i really hope this king's team actually develops into something special and we get a a big Pacific Pacific division rivalry going between the Lakers and the Kings and possibly maybe even the Clippers, the Warriors. I just hope they just go away at some point, but who knows? They're probably <laughs> in there too. We all hope that, man. We all hope that. Yeah. So now that we went through the, the top 15, let's see outside of this top 15 pick, you guys have any big winners? Scotty, what do you think? I've got a couple still in the first round. Um, I think John Collins went to the Hawks power forward out of Wake Forest. I think the kid's legit. Um, I think he's going to be one of those guys that's around as a really solid pro for his whole career. Um, and then the other one I alluded to it a little bit is Harry Giles III, Sacramento. I think it's a mm-hmm. it's a high it's a pretty low risk at twenty, and it's a very high reward possibility. So he's the number one rated recruit coming out of high school before he did his ACL again. So I mean, I think if he gets anywhere close to that same level where he was leaving high school, he could be a really really good pro. Um, and at number 20, that could be a steal. So upside, upside, fantastic. Then I'm going to let Sean touch on the one that I know he's going to touch on because <laughs> I think it ended up being a great mm-hmm. pick. And I'm going to make it not just one, but two great picks by the Los Angeles Lakers. Mm-hmm. Just to be a homer, Kyle Kuzma and Josh yep. Hart. Man, those guys yes. look like they're ready to play, man. Uh, the, all, I agree. All those Lakers picks, they just balled up during the summer league, and they looked like they were having fun out there. They were playing winning basketball, and I mean, yeah, not much more to say. I'm really excited for those guys. Yeah, I agree with your picks, Sean, and I think there's a lot of bias on my side, being a huge Laker fan. But I mean, on outside of that, I gotta I gotta stop and wonder, sort of like how much of that was the Lonzo Ball effect, and how much of that maybe was a Magic Johnson effect, sort of like coming into a program, you got Magic Johnson there, just like talking you up, and and whatever it was, it worked though because these guys showed up to summer league and they took the challenge and they brought home that summer league championship and now they look like 
the biggest the biggest deals of the draft outside of the top 15 for me right yeah i i mean i the, the lakers have signed all four of the guys that they drafted correct correct yeah yeah like they signed thomas bryant even uh picked in the second round so i mean they think that they hit a lot of winners and i'm inclined to agree with them um yeah, yeah. i mean i also unfortunately think the warriors made a great pick getting uh yeah, oh. what's his name? Jordan Bell. Yeah. Jordan Bell. From Oregon. Yep. Yeah. I, I think he could turn out to be something pretty good. I agree. Um, Similar as... to the Harry Giles deal. Yeah. If he's healthy and he can get back, that's a very good player. Right. Okay, so you can you guys are you guys looking through these picks and can you guys say the who you think was probably the best pick out of this entire draft? Best value? Dennis Smith Jr. Dennis Smith Jr. at number 10. Number 9, yeah. Or number 9. Um, Lonzo Ball, definitely. Lonzo Ball. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Lonzo Ball. And, <laughs> Two homers. Yeah. Two homers. Yep. Lonzo Ball, I mean, how could you not? Summer League MVP brought home the championship to L.A. Obviously a Summer League championship, but nonetheless a championship. It might be a while until they have another one. Let's enjoy <laughs> it. Oh, I'm, I'm going yeah. to enjoy it for the next two months for sure. Yeah, I'll put Lonzo Ball. So here we go. One last thing before we close this podcast out. Final thought. Speaking on Lonzo Ball, LeVar Ball, his latest incident. Uh, the man gets kicked out of an AAU game. Um, talks back to the women refs. Says a couple borderline sexist comments. Uh, Adidas comes in, replaces her with their own refs. And supposedly the, the news, well, actually Adidas did confirm that. News come out that Adidas replaced these refs and and could, specifically told them not to kick out LeVar Ball, not to tee up the man. Uh, people found out. Adidas apologized for it. So I guess the bottom line question here is, is LeVar Ball you and your guys' thoughts a good character for the NBA moving forward, or is this guy just going to cause, or is this only the beginning of more trouble coming from this man? It's a very obvious no. He's a terrible character for the <laughs> NBA. Like, sure, he's going to sell some stuff, but... It's all going to be for his own benefit, not for the NBA's, not for anybody else. It like the Donald mm -hmm. Trump comparison is strikingly similar. He just he runs yep. his mouth, he says a bunch of controversial stuff, he makes sexist remarks. I mean, I don't know, I don't know, it's almost like he's trying to be Donald Trump at this point. And yeah. it's obviously working and it's really it's super disappointing that Adidas actually was siding with him until they got found out that they were doing some shady business underneath the table, making sure that the yep. refs would get kicked out if they did anything to LeVar Ball. It's just, oh man, it's super sad. I completely yeah. agree. And the ironic thing is, I think we all know these kinds of people in the organizations that we've been in. And it's like the old moniker that there's no such thing as bad press. I mean, the guy is just mm -hmm. making money off of all the dumb things he does. Um, and we as a culture are just perpetuating it. So it's really sad to see. I mean, for him, I think he's a genius in a really sadistic, weird way. Yeah. Because um, he's yeah. making a ton of money off all this. But I don't think that there's anybody that's like, yeah, this guy is awesome. Like, let's pay more attention to him. Yet we keep finding ways to put him on television and stories keep coming out. And the only way to really get rid of somebody like this, I think, is just to let them do their thing and just not even pay attention and give them no love. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I agree. I, I, for a while there, I was gaining respect for the man when the stories came out of sort of how he, he fed the neighborhood. You take out a bunch of guys and just train them, coach them for basketball. He seemed like a, the type of family guy that you would want to hang around with, but then stories like this come out and it totally makes me lose respect for the man. Um, I think he's, he's, if, if he continues on a path like this, I think he's terrible for the NBA, especially a, a league that kind of prides itself in with maintaining sort of a progressive image in terms of sort of how they're accepting of women, accepting of um, all forms of sexuality and stuff like that. So LeVar Ball is bad for the NBA, I think. And I really hope that maybe the media learns and we start ignoring this guy or he sort of starts becoming boring to us because he continues the same, the same antics. Yeah, for sure. Mm hmm. So one last thing: Would if Beyonce buys the Houston Rockets, would she officially be the coolest owner in nah, the NBA? Dude. Mark Cuban, come on. <laughs> Steve Ballmer, no, actually no. There was that report about Steve Ballmer that said he was gonna make a bunch of people homeless. 
uh, by building a new stadium, so I take that back. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Mark Cuban. Yep. Mark Cuban? All right. I'm going with Beyonce. Beyonce buys the Rockets. She will officially be the coolest NBA owner out there. Oh, okay. What, what's your reasoning? <laughs> Dude, multi-winner singer, dancer, has twins. I mean, what the hell, but man? What's there not to love? Basketball? You don't know that, man. You don't know that. <laughs> All right. We'll see. All right, everybody. Thanks for... Yep, we'll see. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. My name's Alan, and I'm out. All right, I'm Sean, and I'm out. I'm Scott. I'll be back sometime. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, Scotty.